Hello, welcome to the Curator Podcast. This is episode 15. Hi, hello, welcome once again, dear listener, to the Curator Podcast. I am your host, Mark Fraser, and this is episode 15. 15. 15 episodes, 15 interviews. That's almost four months I've been doing this. The interviews seem to ebb and flow. Sometimes I've struggled to find people. Other times it's been a lot easier. I'm just very grateful for having the chance to talk to so many awesome people. And I'm also so lucky that you like this podcast. All the messages, emails, comments and the like, they're very gratefully received. And yeah, thank you. I say this every week, but I do feel I'm continually humbled and I'm continually grateful for people digging what I'm doing. The truth of the matter is I don't have a clue what I'm doing, but you, you you seem to like it, so thank you from the bottom of my heart, I really mean that. I've also been really lucky in the sense that I've been able to talk to people who I consider to be important. On this episode, I talked to Jeff and Chris from Modern Life is War. Modern Life is War is one of the most important hardcore punk bands since the start of the century. Their legacy is absolutely unmatched and their influence can be heard clearly, vividly, on a multitude of other bands. Talking to these guys is probably one of the most nervy things that I've done so far. I mean this when I say that Witness is probably one of my favourite albums of all time. And Jeff's lyrics are literary in a way which is unlike any other. Not many lyricists are able to bowl me over with their words. I mean, there's a couple of exceptions, but it's hard for me as a writer to really say that I love the lyrics that a lot of my favourite bands produce, but Jeff is an exception to that. There's a very powerful narrative quality to his writing which goes beyond mere lyrics set to music. Now, I'm not saying that lyrics should be judged differently from other forms of writing. I'm not saying that lyrics can't be powerful. I'm not even saying that there's lyric writers out there who are not akin to the best poets and the best authors that exist or have ever existed. The point is, for me, that lyrics are often constructed to convey a particular emotion. Some of the best songs are centred on one theme. Yeah, and even some of the best lyricists simply focus on conveying one feeling through the lyrics, which is fine and for the most part is effective. As someone that is drawn towards lyrics, there are lyrics that hold a special place in my heart, but I'd never find lyrics as compelling as I do poetry or prose. I think that's that's not to be elitist, it's just the way that I, I see them, it's the way that I am. Poetry and prose for me 
as a writer, go deeper. And I think it's very hard for a lyricist to go deep. Jeff is an exception to that. So yeah, meeting Jeff and Chris was terrifying. Even after the customary pre-interview shot of Dutch Courage, I was still pretty nervous. But when I got there and the conversation started to flow, things changed. Jeff and Chris are two of the most humble, honest and down-to-earth musicians that I have yet spoken to. Their appreciation for the fact they get to do what they do, even after they took a break and came back, is a running theme in this interview. Moreover, there's a real sense of awe that the people who saw them way back 10 years ago are still coming to their shows a decade later. I'm pretty sure at some point in the interview, they looked stunned that there was even somebody talking to them about their music at this point. You know, and one of the, one of my favourite things about the interview is that you could tell I was talking to two best friends. You could tell that these two guys love spending time together. And most of the time when they were talking, they were actually looking at each other, not looking at me, which is like they're talking to one another, which is great. I mean, that's the kind of thing you really want in an interview with more than two people. It was awesome to see that. It was really great. This interview was conducted in a fire escape at the back of the classic Grand, the venue that they were playing that night. Hopefully that doesn't impair your enjoyment of this awesome, awesome interview. Since the band played Witness in its entirety that night, I think it's only fitting that we open with a song from that album. This song is called Young Man on a Spree. Chris, how you guys doing? Doing great. Glad to be here. You just going to stand and nod, or do you want to come in? Or? Yeah, no, I'll <laughs> I'm doing great also. Excellent. It's <laughs> a good start. So uh, I guess now that we're here, we should probably talk about the elephant in the room, uh, The Witness Show, which I'm fucking stoked to see, by the way. Fucking love that album. Very important to me. Um, you guys, did you guys always have something in mind to commemorate the anniversary of the album, or did it just kind of happen, or...? I think people started bringing it up to us. Probably uh, someone over at Deathwish, Trey or Jake, kind of brought up that it was coming up on 10 years and that, you know, we should think about doing something. So we started talking about it. And um, 
I was initially a little bit not resistant, but I had to think it over for a while just because I don't like to get too nostalgic. You know, we're still trying to be a band who's writing new songs and pushing forward with things. And uh, but uh, I know that it's you know an album that was important to a lot of people and and it's important to us as well uh, because of things we were going through at the time we wrote it and just uh, how how sort of difficult it was for us to write. So I think. Uh, it's appropriate that we're celebrating it. Yeah, I think that all of us had some mixed feelings on it because, you know, I mean, coming back as a band, the most important thing to us was writing a new record, you know? I mean, we, we talked about getting back together, and uh, it was, well, we'll do it, but only if we can come up with a new record that we're all happy with, you know? And so to do that and then instantly go back to playing a record in whole that was 10 years ago, you know, was something we all kind of had to think about and discuss a little bit but you know as Jeff said it was it's an album that meant a lot to a lot of people and it's an album that you know means a lot to us you know from when we wrote and you know the fact that it was 10 years ago and the fact that you know we're still doing this is crazy to us and so you know celebrating it I think was something we decided was was worthwhile to do you know you guys mentioned just there that it was a hard album to write a lot of bands don't even like reflecting on their past music let alone celebrating it uh, and people change as they get older, obviously. So, um, is there any songs that you find difficult to perform? I know a lot of bands don't play songs because they're not relevant to who they are as people anymore. Do you do you get that from any songs and Witness? And does it make it hard to actually perform them when when you do play them live? I don't have that with Witness. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I mean, the title of the album is telling in that it's really just. I guess the world through my eyes is kind of how I wrote the lyrics and the way that I look at the world hasn't, I mean, it's changed where I, you know, I'm maybe a little more calm and a little more comfortable with myself than I was at that time, but my views haven't changed and I still, I still feel that way about, about the world and the things around me and, and the people in my life. So I, I I f- still feel it fully 100% and and if I if I didn't I would say or if there was a song I would say but I, I still feel it very much 100% every time we do it. And they're they're obviously Jeff's lyrics, but I mean they're we all grew up the same way and it was the way that all of us felt at that time. So, you know, it resonates with all of us, you know. I mean, he he's the one that wrote the words, but it was, you know, we all we all felt the same way. And you know, like Jeff said even with still feeling the same way as those lyrics, there were 100% honest. So looking back at that time in, you know, our lives 10 years ago, that they, you know, it 100% defines 10 years ago, you know? I mean, even though we've all changed as people, you can look back and as, you know, it was 100% honest and 100%, you know, 24 years old, 23 years old for us, you know? And so it... And also the way, you know, the music, lyrics aside, the way the music was written was not in step with what was going on in hardcore or metal or punk or anything at the time so and we're still not we've never been a band that follows trends or that is trying to fit into any certain part of all this we just uh completely sort of do our own thing in my opinion and um you know it's interesting now because certain bands have picked up on that sound and kind of you know, ran with it in different directions, which I think is cool. But, um, you know, I'm still very proud of it musically because it's not, I don't think it'll ever be stuck in a time period because it, it didn't belong in the time period it was in. 
So. I mean, there's maybe stuff that I can look back on with a 7-inch or with My Love, My Way that, you know, I mean, you look back at stuff you wrote years ago and you can kind of cringe and be like, ah, oh, you know, like that wasn't that great or, you know, we should have spent more time on this or this isn't perfect. But, you know, Witness, I mean, I, I can say that I'm still, you can go back and listen to and I can just be really proud of, you know, something, you know. And, and that's a cool thing to be able to do, look back at something you wrote 10 years ago and be like, yeah, I, I still like this, you know. I mean, I, I, I'm proud of this still, you know, so. So, Ed. Uh, I should probably tell you what this podcast is about. Um, the podcast itself is about creativity and passion, which is uh, kind of different from a lot of the usual shit you hear. I'm trying not to ask bullshit genetic questions sure. that you've heard loads of times. Um, so I'm just thinking back to your guys' kind of past, and you guys were really productive. Like in the space of six years, it was like three albums, lots of touring, a whole bunch of seven inches. Um, what was it that kept you guys going and kept you guys writing across that whole period of time when you were younger? I think a lot of it for me was feeling like you know when we started that we wrote our seven inch and went on a tour and we thought that maybe that would be all we'd ever be able to do because we wouldn't draw any people and no one would care we wouldn't be able to sell any records and once we saw the opportunity that we could actually put out a record on a label and that we could tour and that some people were latching on to what we were doing it felt like uh it felt like something that was never in the cards for us or something that was possibly never going to happen. And, and when it happened, it was like you had to hold on to it for dear life and kind of, you know, take it for all it was worth because I, I would, you know, all along, even when you got burned out and things were difficult, I felt that I can't believe this is happening to us. I can't believe we get to do this. I can't believe we're playing in Scotland. It's un, It's unbelievable. So you just... You're just holding on to it and trying to, and I think you know we held on too tight at different times, and that that uh, contributed to the demise of the band, uh, you know, in 2008. But um, yeah, that's what it was about for me. Like w- we have this opportunity now, and it's not going to last forever, so we have to we have to keep going and take it for all it's worth. Yeah, I mean, we we started playing in bands, you know, 14 years old. You know, I mean, I was in a basically Nirvana cover band at 14, you know, like playing in front of like 10 people and learning like every Nirvana, right. Every learning, every Nirvana song, you know, and like, we didn't know people that had toured before. We didn't know people that were in bigger bands. We didn't know people that had played big shows, you know, I mean, we were just renting out halls in our hometown and like putting on shows, you know, and you know, we, we did like a lot of young kids do. We would make a make a shitty demo tape and send it off to fat records and think that our life was going to change and that you know they're going to send us a letter back saying like yeah you're signed like this is how it works like here you go your life has changed you know and we realized that wasn't going to happen so we all put in money recorded our own seven inch and booked our own east coast tour and we're just like well this will be it you know this is it that's fine and then it continued to go from there and i think to all of us it was like this is we've been dreaming of this for so long and there's a possibility we continue to do more and continue to do more and to give that up was just out of the question for any of us, I think. Like, I don't think any of us could even imagine being like, oh, well, this is hard, so we're not doing it anymore. Like, it's like, we'll never have this opportunity again, you know? Like, when when will we have this again, you know? So. You guys you guys now have the opportunity again, which is just kind of happening again. I know the band's now like a part-time band. You've said in interviews before. Um, but you guys get the, the opportunity to do this for the second time, but with maybe a clearer head and a more kind of grown-up kind of 
person, really. It's, it's amazing. I mean, all of us feel so incredibly blessed by that. I mean, I, I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, I think we're all kind of in shock still that we get to do it again. <laughs> you know, I mean, like... Still care. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, in 2002, when people cared, we were like, people care? That's That's unbelievable that people care about what we're doing. And I think now it's like people still care. You guys, like, you still care. And that, I mean... I think a lot of bands, you know, they act like they appreciate their fans. And I know a lot of them do, but, like, God damn it, we do. You know, like, I mean, it is just the fact that people continue to, to support what we do and that lyrics, you know, from the new album, you know, people send me tattoos with lyrics from our newest album. And, like, just the fact that, like, what we do is still relevant to to people in their youth or in adulthood it's just it's mind-blowing you know and we just appreciate that so much and you know I, I mean I worked in a warehouse all week and now I'm in Scotland you know like that my, my life is not like I'm not a rock star I'm not I'm not a you know I'm I, I don't do art for a living you know so this is like this is my but this is my true passion and just finding a way to do that still is, like you said, we're, you know, we're blessed, for lack of a better word. I mean, you know, that putting out the new record was scary in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, we, we wanted to do it, and it was fun for us to do, and we were all happy with what we come up with, and so we were, you know, confident in it. But it was also, well, people still care about, you know, our old records. We could put this out and disappoint everyone, you know, in some way, shape, or form, we don't think we're going to. We like it, but you know, we could ruin our, you know, what we had, our legacy with it. You know, and uh, it was a difficult thing to do. You know, I mean, I think it's a difficult thing for any band to come back six years later and have people look at one of your records as being, you know, a classic like hardcore record, and try to put out something new to compete with that. You know, six years later, and get back up on stage again and see if people still think you have it. You know, and so it was a scary thing to do. And you know, we're we're happy that, you know, people like, you know, people, you know, seem to like the new record and that it, you know, went over well. But, yeah, it was scary. And like Jeff said to us, it's still just like people still care. Wow. <laughs> you know? <laughs> fever, fever hunting is probably one of my favorite shouts, I guess, for saying it's maybe one of the best post-reunion albums released by any band in the past decade, probably. Um, but one of the things that I responded to on it was lyrically, it was quite refreshing in terms of how honest it was but the struggles to sort of maintain your ideals of youth, mm-hmm. but also face adult responsibilities as you grow older. Like, the, like you say, working in a warehouse, a balance of paying bills while still trying to keep your personal integrity intact and finding time for your passions. I mean, is that something that you guys, you're obviously thankful for that, but do you ever give it any more thought in terms of, well, this is there's still a huge part of my life creatively that I must fulfil, regardless of whether I'm stacking shelves or, you know, I'm in a multi-million rock band for example um yeah I mean the you know I I definitely was conscious of writing lyrics from the place I was at in life at that time um and I had a a certain fear that it wouldn't resonate with anyone who was under a certain age but then again I think you know the nature of punk and hardcore at least for me was it was eye-opening to hear perspectives of older people and people who had seen the world 
and lived in big cities and experienced heartbreak and experienced loss, even before I had experienced any of those things, I was hungry for that, that truthful perspective of someone who had been places in their mind and been places in the world that I hadn't been. So I, I tried to sort of stay true to that mindset rather than what do people expect or want to hear from like modern life is war, you know, like this sort of like band in like a youthful turmoil, you know, but I was like, that's, that's not where I'm at right now. This is where I'm at. And I think it's hardcore to put your neck on the line to be like, Hey, well, this is our new record and this is where I'm at now. And this, there's a great chance of this failing, but like, you're putting your neck on the chopping block and you're exposing yourself and saying, Hey, if you want to, you want to chop off the head of this thing, here it is. This is what, this is what it, this is what it looks like now. And if that's not good enough for you or it doesn't resonate with you, then so be it, you know? Right. I mean, and I mean, uh, and from a musical perspective, like, you know, then I feel like the new record's more grown up musically also, you know, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, uh, and you, you can't do anything other than where you're at. And, you know, when you're, <clears throat> we can't write a record like we're 23. We can't write a record like we're 16. We have to write a record like we're 33, you know, and 34. And, I mean, and when you're 16, you want to know what it's going to be like when you're, tw- when you're 23, you know. When you're 23, you want to know what it's going to be like when you're 34, you know. And so, like Jeff kind of said, that resonating with people our age kind of makes sense. But, you know, younger generation, it's like, well, it can resonate with them also. It's like, well, I'm going to be that age someday too. Like, what's it, what's it going to be like, you know. Things are going to change. Stop that food out! 
you see a lot of younger fans coming to the shows now with the new records is that something you've noticed yeah yeah I mean there's always uh, you know we play, still play a lot of all ages shows and there's always young kids there um, there's a lot of kids that come up to me and say that you know Fever Hunting was their first Modern Life is War record and that they love it and like you know like I said we've seen a lot of tattoos already of you know lyrics from the new record and uh, yeah it seems to be a great mix obviously um, you know when we play cities we've traditionally played a lot of times we see so many familiar faces and it's crazy because at the time maybe they were just young and fucked up and hanging out with their friends all day every day and drinking and going to shows every night and th- and then now maybe they've got a college degree and a career and a kid and a wife and a mortgage but they still come out to our shows you know overwhelmingly it seems like they're all there and and that's but I think that's just the truthful nature of it. I think we're, like, attracting the... I think I think our people find us, you know? Whether they're young or old, I think our people find us. And that's... When I talk to people at shows, I, I find them to be overwhelmingly intelligent, well-spoken, passionate, creative people. Overwhelmingly. I, it's... You know, everyone apologizes when they want to talk to me and I'm like don't apologize man like you know like the fact that you want to talk to me is like an honor for me as much as it is you know the other way around and and uh, the the quality of people that I think uh, are attracted to our band is amazing and maybe a testament to you know like to our friendships and our music and and how honest we are about what we do ever since you guys took a break and then came back a lot, of, a lot of interviews I've read you guys are always saying, oh, there's so many bands now that are influenced by Modern Life as well, which is fucking awesome. I mean, that's obviously what you want to hear as an artist. You want to hear that your art has been taken seriously by people. Um, but does knowing that you've created such a legacy have any bearing on the way you guys approach your art now? Yeah, that's a difficult one, you know. Um, obviously, when we sit down to write again, you know, there is a certain amount of pressure and, you know, you're not going to be able to completely escape, like, what people expect. But... Um, you know a big difference for me is that like I look at our band as as a punk band you know like you know we've been tagged as like you know this melodic hardcore band and, and I accept that too and I understand it but the way I look at it in the end of the day is that we're a punk band and I look at you know punk as being you know the bad brains and the dead boys as well as fucking you know converge and you know like uh the minutemen and husker do and the replacements and fucking screaming jay hawkins and iggy pop and all these people i love and it's such a punk is such a wide-ranging thing and i think punk is playing from your gut and it's not being overindulgent and it's not being pretentious and it's not trying to be the heaviest band in the world and it's not trying to be the most technical band in the world it's trying to be the band who is true to the city you live in and the way you grew up and your friends that are in your band and your fucking words from your own life you know and that's i I try to just keep that at the forefront of my mind and you know if if we write a record that i fully believe in and i love and i back enough to put out and it ruins our legacy like so be it you know like it's just 
it's it, there is pressure there and there is thought about that kind of stuff but we're a fucking punk band and punk bands don't pull punches and they don't they don't fake it and they don't write something because they think it's what people want to hear you know they write something because they think it's necessary for their own life or for someone else's life at what point did you guys realize that being in a punk band was something you wanted to do do you remember the moment exactly I do <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it was punk, but, you know, going back to Nirvana, it was that, <clears throat> and I, I played in, you know, middle school, you know, band, I played the saxophone, and um, there were some older guys in high school that were playing in, you know, alternative rock bands and stuff, they were putting on shows and stuff, and uh, one of my friends, um, her older brother, played in one of those bands, and she took me to one of the shows, and it was, you know, it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen, you know, and went in and there was a bass guitar like in our jazz band room and I was able to learn Smells Like Teen Spirit the first day I picked up the bass guitar and I was like well if I can learn you know one of my favorite songs the first day I pick this up I can fucking do this you know and that was and like from that day on it was like basically all that I wanted to do and all that I cared about you know um, that, for me that was that was when I knew you know well my first show was Chris, a band that Chris and John from Modern Life is War played in together and uh, I was probably you know had like number one fanboy status you know and I was also I was also trying to be a part of the band even though I wasn't in the band like I would make a flyer for the show and I would take money and I would be at the practice and I would fucking help load gear and I was like I just wanted to be I didn't even care if I was in the band I just wanted to be a part of that and uh, so, you know, their band was really influential for me. And then, you know, there were certain key records that I bought. And the one that really clicked for me for whatever reason was the Trouble, Crime, and Punishment 7-inch. I bought that. And for whatever reason, just the, the sound of that record and the lyrics and the way it was, I just kind of heard it. And I was like, you know what? I need to sing in a band. You know, and that, and that was like kind of... Those are really my two turning points is going to their shows in our hometown and then hearing that record and that kind of like started steering me more towards hardcore and like a harder edge punk sound where at the time you know a lot of stuff we were listening to was like very melodic and like punk ska oriented so people you were talking about people that you've seen come any shows for maybe 10 plus years do you think that everybody i mean everybody that's standing here fucking loves punk music that's that's why we're here but we are obsessed by it. Like, it just becomes... It consumes our life almost. Is that one of the reasons why you guys couldn't really let the band go? That you still want to come back and do it? That you still had the obsession with being... Fucking love punk music and love being in a fucking punk band? Yeah, I think there was a, there was a hole in our lives that, you know, wasn't going to go away. You just felt a little void. And, I, you know, personally, I tried to start different bands and stuff, but playing with nothing feels like playing with Chris you know what I mean like nothing feels like playing with these guys because I know them and I know their intentions and I know the music they love and and I trust them and we we had developed a chemistry that goes beyond playing on stage we developed a chemistry by skating in parking lots together in the middle of the night and like you know like seeing you know my friend get his heart broken and like seeing friends like drift away and like you know there's all this like history that like can't be replaced by just finding people who can play guitar or finding people who can play bass you know it's like there's something more there and 
So it just made it didn't make any sense for us not to be playing anymore. We all still believed in it and we all still loved it. We just hit a wall where everyone's life was a disaster and we felt like we had to walk away to like sort of save our lives. And then once we like sort of saved our lives and found a way to like maintain that we had to pick it back up again. It was just like, I mean, it, we just took a long break is all we did, you know? And at the time it felt like it might never come back together, but you know, looking back on it, it was just like, all we needed was a few years to, to put things together in our personal lives. So did you have, have any thoughts to add to that? Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, we're, I've spent more time with, you know, these guys in this band than, anyone else in my life i mean my wife at this point is probably caught up but i mean like i don't even know if 100 percent for sure that she has you know i mean like going back to like 14 years old spending every every day together you know i mean you know and like you know i left the band before uh, midnight in america came out and moved out you know to arizona um you know with my you know she was my girlfriend at the time but you know got a normal job and got married and got a house and all those things and you know and uh I missed I missed that aspect of my life like drastically. It was just it was a hole you know that that wasn't there anymore, and so you know I, you know I'd called Jeff up one night and was like, hey you know do you have any interest in doing this again? And he told me I would if you can get everyone on board to write a new record. And I called every single person at one o'clock in the morning you know that night and I got everyone on board and called Jeff back like an hour later like all right everybody said yes. He's like, what? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it was a huge hole in my life, you know, after I needed to get all those things straightened out. But once I got them all straightened out, it was like, all right, so I need this again. And there's no one else in the world I trust and want to play with and, like, could imagine doing it again other than those guys, you know, so. When you guys, uh, just to kind of touch that, I've never actually spoken to a band that's kind of broken up and go back together again. So it's kind of a novelty for me. <laughs> um, how, where, how, what did it feel like to kind of go back? I mean, to real life almost when, like, when when it stopped. The, like, I know a lot of bands when they're in bands for so long, they're almost in like a suspended state of being. Yeah. You know, did it feel weird to go back to just being like, oh, I'm just a guy again. I'm not. I'm not a punk rock singer or a punk rock bass player. I think it was. I think it hits your ego a little bit. You get used to people wanting to talk to you and like having some certain stature. But honestly, I think it was the best thing in the world because I never really, you know, I, our music comes from real life, you know what I mean? To be someone, like, let's say our band succeeded on a higher level than it did and we were able to tour and make a comfortable living doing it. I don't know, like, our, our music really comes from struggle and it comes from working jobs and existing in a way that is maybe more genuine than life on the road and so i like the fact that modern life is war is a band made up of people who have to work for a living and who are part of where they live and they know their neighbors and shit you know what i mean like just to get interviewed all the time and get free beer every night it's not a it's not a genuine lifestyle you know and and i think living a genuine lifestyle is important to what we do you know like the reason that a lot of kids connect with us is because they can relate to us and at the point where we haven't i haven't you know punched a clock in six years or been in the same city for two months at a time you know it's you know it becomes disingenuous at some point 
and we're that's that's where our music is rooted. So I think that having that time to check your ego and live as a normal fucking person and then and then even coming back and like not having it completely take over your life but still doing it is is key to what we do. It's almost like you had to you've used up all the experiences you had to power the music before so you need to build up a whole bunch of new yeah, shit absolutely. to make another record. Yeah. yeah, you know, if you're going to sing songs about the working class, like you better fucking be it, you know? And and we are, you know, like I mean we grew up that way and we are. And you know, I mean maybe that's like something for a different genre of music in this day and age but I still think of hardcore and punk as working class music and, and we're working class guys so not going to argue with that not going to argue with that at all um, one of the many things that I like about your band uh, and I love about the lyrics is like all the sort of inter- metatextual references like films and tributes to other outsider artists um, like the roll call on These Mad Dogs for Glory or the Rumblefish reference and The Motorcycle Boy Reigns and I was just kind of wondering, like, how much did like those films and writers mean to you, and how did like how did they inspire you? And obviously, how has that changed since, like, Witness to Fever Hunting to I guess now? <clears throat> well, I, I mean, I don't f- really think of us as original. I guess. You know, I, I think I think everything is I think everything is, you know, inspiration just works in circles, you know, and discovering discovering those artists that are so important to you that speak truth to you, um, you know, just to kind of come back to something I touched on before, but a lot of people say, hey, sorry that I have to say this, but your album changed my life, your album saved my life. But I'm I'm sorry I, I I don't mean to like you know get too deep or to like be a nerd and and I'm like dude I have those albums in my own life you know like I have those same types of feelings it's just not about that record that you're talking about it's a different one and just to be in that position that someone else is looking to your art in the same way that I think about you know rancid or the manic street preachers or se hinton novels or gene seberg or you know fucking bukowski or charlie chaplin or whoever it is you know it's like that's just the way it works you know and you see those hardcore bands that are just inspired by wanting to be a guy in a hardcore band and they they're weak you know i mean it's it's not you can tell that it's a shallow pool they're digging from you know and like I'm always like looking for like I'm always looking for that inspiration that's like as fucking deep as the ocean floor and I hope that when people hear our music they're like fuck like that's hardcore but it's not like let's put on some fucking cool shirts and like be a part of the scene you know it's not about that it's about like art saving life and being uh you know in the Operation Ivy liner notes it says music is an anchor against human tragedy and that's so true you know it's like you have all these terrible things that happen in life and like terrible things that happen to people you love and without art you would just be sitting with that pain with no release you know so it's like that's what that's what all those people are to me so like you know i pay tribute to all of them and you know like 
you know, t- doing the witness shows, like the song or the song Marshalltown, I say, I can feel the steel mills rust. And that comes from the clash, you know, UK band, uh, from the song, uh, straight to hell. Um, and so I just always, and Young Man Blues is a Mose Allison song that The Who covered and uh, on Live at Leeds, uh, where we're playing tomorrow, I guess. So, like, I've always just tried to, like, you know, these are my fucking people. This is what I love. This is what inspired me. Like, these are the lyrical greats. These are the great artists. And, like, like we're, even if we're, like, a cheap imitation in that tradition, I would rather be a cheap imitation that respects the fucking greats and wears those influences on our sleeve than be like hey we're the cool new hardcore band with the cool new style you know like that doesn't mean anything that sounds like a good way to wrap up i guess um do you guys have anything else you want to say or anything you want to ask me before before we finish what do you do what's your life all about you shouldn't have asked that question (laughs) (laughs) um i do podcasting for a living i work for a charity called uh, which deals with kids in care um, but my hobbies are I'm actually a writer I guess you could say um, I've had some stuff published in that I'm also in like three bands so yeah oh, wow. I try to stay creative that's, cool. that's, what, that's why I do this podcast about creativity because that fucking interests me it's, it's interesting to hear people that I respect and that I like talking about what makes them the creative people they are because I'm forever analysing why I am the way I am so I want to hear the same and so far doing this podcast people seem to like that people people seem to love hearing artists talk about their art and I think that's fucking awesome absolutely well I'm uh, I have plans to uh, do a podcast next year and I have you know I have it all kind of figured I've been thinking about it for years and I have it all figured out now so I want to start doing that next year but um, do us a favor and send us what you do like send us your bands like send us an email with your bands and your you know, your podcast link and like, you know, show us what you're doing. Cause like, I'm always, you know, I, I still buy zines and listen to podcasts and like buy new records. And we're always looking for bands that we like to play with when we come to places like this, you know, we, uh, asked this band youth man to play because I looked up like, you know, 50 bands that were playing Reading leads that I'd never heard of. And they were my favorite. So I was like, Hey, will you guys come play Glasgow with us? And they were like, yeah. So like, you know, I, um, just constantly, uh, I, the whole thing is really never become jaded and never give up. Like you're, I don't ever expect us to have like a breakthrough where it's like, and then we broke through and it was fucking wine and roses. You know, it's just like, it's always going to be hard work. You always have to stay humble and you always have to stay inspired. And you know, the, the lifeblood of, of punk and hardcore music is youth and people coming up doing new things that haven't been done before in a way that they haven't been done before. And so we like to stay in touch with what is going on in the current climate of things and not just be this old band coming back to celebrate something that happened back then. I want to be a part of now. So so let us know what you're doing. And That's a fucking refreshing attitude to have. A lot of bands, especially when they get older, don't have that, you know? Yeah, and I, I mean, I would just say that, you know, every artist has other artists that are their inspiration. And I've, you know, I feel like, you know, an artist should be looking for new, you know, new things that inspire them. And being an artist to be told that you're someone else's inspiration is the biggest compliment that you can ever, you know, receive, I, I think, you know, so. I get to talk to the people that inspire me so far, which is fucking awesome, so. <laughs> yeah, and that's, you know, it's, 
I mean, I just love music and art, but the cool thing about hardcore is that we're, there is an ethic where you are accessible. You can talk to people in hardcore. And if you can't talk to them, then fuck them. You know, they're not hardcore. Like, that's like, that's a big thing, you know? So, like, um, we talk to each other. We communicate. And, like, like, you have our records, and there's no reason that we shouldn't have yours. You know what I mean? So it's just, like, keeping that keeping that non-separation between like you know the the person on stage and the person in the crowd and like the person who's inspiring and the person who's been inspired and doing their own work like that flow has to stay you know on a on a on a on a level and keep going back and forth and if and if it does then we can like we can make this continue to mean something instead of just become a you know a fucking mosh pit and a fashion style, you know, it, it can mean something more than that, and I think it does. So, a lot of times, uh, I'm going to say this, and it may not mean too much to you guys, but I'll give you some background. A lot of times in Glasgow, there has been a lot of hardcore trends which have become like the scene thing to do. Yeah, you know, like you've got to be a certain way and go to a certain band shows and all that, and it's a total. It's it's like taking the culture that you love and then rubbing it up against something which is completely alien and trying to make these two things fit together, like. It's cool to go to this hardcore band show. Um, yeah, so I'm glad you guys don't have that attitude. It's just like keeping it honest and just keeping a dialogue open. A lot, of, I think a lot of bands, when they get to a certain point, they don't have the dialogue anymore. Yeah. It's just them and their little worlds. Yeah. And, and that's it. They don't have the, well, what are other people doing that are that's like us or that is maybe influenced by us? You know? So sure. I think that's a very fucking humble thing, man. I'm so glad to hear somebody say that. Sure. But yeah, thank you very much, guys. Yeah. That was awesome. Thank Cheers. You. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What can I say? It's really hard to follow that. That seems to be a theme of late. It's hard to follow up a great interview with more mindless, meandering chatter. Suffice to say, I was blown away by the way they were blown away by the fact that somebody was talking to them about what they love doing. So thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed that. Afterwards, they spoke to us um, and yeah, they're just... Seem to be having a total blast on stage, very humble on stage, wanting to learn about new things, wanting to learn about new bands, still wanting to be engaged in the culture that they love. That's that's brilliant. It really is. Thanks for listening. Please take some time to check me out on Twitter. That's twitter.com forward slash the curator pod. I'm going to close now with a song from the latest album called Fever Hunting. And this song is called Currency. Until next time. Bye-bye.
Yeah, you'll think it's shelter from that one 